Welcome to the ECDEV Network on Clubhouse. My name is Dan Taylor and I am a co-host with Bob Minhas and Lara Fritz. And uh, we're excited uh, for you guys to be with us today. A little bit of background on me. I am an economic developer in the town of Innisfil in Ontario and I'm also a strategic advisor and guide to those in the industry and I really just help people get more focused, cut through the clutter, and um, ramp up their game to be more efficient and more effective helping their communities. Bob, over to you. Thank you, Dan. Really great to see some uh, regular faces, which is always nice. My name is Bob Minhas. I'm the co-host here with Dan Taylor and Lara Fritz, and I work with economic development teams to help their small businesses create knowledge economies. Today, uh, I just want to set the room for those of you that haven't been with us before. Um, the uh, Now, the session today is being recorded, which you can see in the subject heading. Dan is really great at repurposing the, what we share here into a podcast format. So for those who didn't uh, weren't able to attend, can always listen to it after the fact. Uh, the theme today that we're going to talk about is technology and economic development. So um, we're really going to get into some sort of advice that perhaps our speakers or or other people can share around the idea of what technology has really helped in their economic development path. Um, and so uh, on the stage, we have myself, Lara, and Dan. So if you haven't already, make sure you take a look at Dan and Lara's bio and follow them here on Clubhouse because they may participate in other Clubhouse rooms and you want to be sure that you're in that room as well. If you have a question, if you want to share a thought, we'd love to hear from you. We really love to facilitate these conversations uh, more about learning. So on the bottom, you'll see a hand icon with a notepad. If you press that, that's the raised hand option. That'll allow us, myself, Dan, or Laura, to bring you on stage. Uh, now keep in mind, as soon as we do bring you on stage, the mic is live. Uh, your mic does go live, so you want to make sure you hit mute as soon as you are <clears throat> invited to be on the stage as well. Now, if you're hearing this topic and you think, wow, you know, I have some coworkers or colleagues that could really benefit from what's being shared here, we would love for you to hit the plus sign below. That allows you to ping or invite other uh, members that you think could benefit. And if you have someone you know that would benefit but doesn't have a Clubhouse account, please have them DM myself or Dan directly, and we'll be sure to get them a copy of the recording, but also uh, an invite for future sessions as well. Now, if you do join us on the stage, just to give you some tips to make your experience a little more pleasurable, once you do jump on the stage, if you are sharing a thought, please feel free to say uh, your name and I'm done speaking once you're done. So for example, Bob and I'm done speaking. That allows uh, the other speakers to know when they can sort of chime in, but it also helps as an accessibility tool for people who are listening to us on Clubhouse on different accessible methods. Uh, once you jump on the stage, if you hear something you really, really love, if you hit your mic icon on and off super quick, that indicates applause. And if you hit your mic icon a little bit slower, that indicates that you have something that you want to share when you're already on stage. Now, if you haven't yet, this is the ECDEV Network Economic Development Room. So make sure you hit the ECDEV, um, there's a bell right beside the ECDEV Network, and that'll ensure that you get notified when we start to run other events as well. Although we do this weekly, there are times like Economic Development Week that we ran. I think I basically covered everything. So before I throw it to Dan, Lara, I'd love for you to introduce yourself really quick. Well, thanks so much, Bob. I'm Lara Fritz. I am an economic developer for over 25 years, and I work with communities to create more prosperous and equitable futures. And I am deeply passionate about economic mobility, increasing economic growth, and enhancing commercial districts. So uh, excited about the conversation today on how we use technology to accomplish those key initiatives. Thank you, Lara. And I'm just going to hand it over to Dan. Now, Dan, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, but I'm also going to pose the first question for you and Lara, and then hopefully that'll indicate uh, uh, strive for some questions from the audience. So easy question. Let's keep it simple, Dan. What is that one piece of technology that you found has really aided your work in economic development? So that's the question, but please feel free to introduce yourself first. Thanks, I will, Bob. And can you double check that we're in open room? I was getting some uh, odd uh, not being able to ping people. And I think, I don't know if that was me or just our, our room structure. No uh, problem. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, so as I said, I'm Dan Taylor. I'm the Economic Development Catalyst for the town of Innisfil, working on some really neat, exciting things in a little rural community that punches well above its weight. And as I said, I am a strategic advisor and guide. So I really help economic developers get clear, save time, and, and help improve their performance. 
So that's a really good question. Um, I would say uh, that, you know, I, I, I think a really important piece of technology for us is we have a CRM. Uh, in our case, we're using something called Active Campaign. And a CRM, for those that aren't familiar, is uh, a customer relation a customer relation management tool. Uh, think of it as a, a, a fancy uh, digitized with a, a Swiss Army knife of, of Excel spreadsheet. And so we uh, we do a variety of um, organic and paid social media using primarily Facebook and. Instagram and we're still experimenting a little bit with LinkedIn and uh, we send people to our, e our, our website uh, and um, and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna catch myself so I'm gonna go to CRM a little bit later I think I'm getting too complicated I think the best piece of technology that we use and the most simplest is a website so uh, it's so ubiquitous now I don't even think of it as technology so any community needs to tell its story and it needs to educate its target market. And a website is the best place to do that because while I don't think you should have infinite information there, it's got the capacity to hold infinite information. But you can, you can express who you are, you can have tabs to get into more detail, uh, and then you can use that website with uh, search engine optimization for people searching you. You can use it to capture email to build a database, which I'll get into later, and other things like that. So I think I, I, uh, I've caught myself getting too complicated. Website is probably the best piece of technology in terms of like 101. I'm Dan and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I, you know, I imagine for some economic development uh, teams, uh, it's, uh, and, and I only speak from experience, it is sometimes quite a fight <laughs> to get a microsite when you work under municipality. So, but Dan, you are 100% right. And every team I've worked with that's had an economic development or even tourism microsite, um, you know, we've, we've always found success with that. So I love you sharing that. Lara, for you, has there been one particular technology, piece of technology that's really helped facilitate your success in economic development? So similar to Dan, websites, critical, customer relationship management tools, love them um but you know one that i don't think we use as effectively as we could is linkedin um i had mentioned linkedin early um that we do have the ActDev network linkedin page now where we post all of our upcoming sessions but it's also such an amazing tool to connect to professionals across the country and not only within economic development, but also in companies and in sectors that we want to connect to uh, for a relatively low fee. I think it's like $79.95 or something like that. You can get the LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which also helps to uh, connect to potential clients for your economic development organization. And so probably one of the most cost-efficient lead generation tools out there. Um, I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura, thank you. Chris, welcome to the stage. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm Chris Pangra, I'm the Economic Development Director for a municipality in the state of Utah. And um, I don't want to steal Bob's thunder, but I will speak briefly about one aspect of, of CRM software because I feel like this is such a critical component of economic development, especially in larger organizations where you have many existing businesses, um, such as the community that I live in. And we've recently implemented CRM software, and we're actually only about a, a couple weeks into it, but one of the things that I realized after coming into this organization less than a year ago is that we had some very large businesses making uh, critical contributions to the community and uh, the jobs that they offer the, the local workforce um, and really the economic backbone of the city. And we did not have the information uh, that we needed 
to tell the story of what that relationship has been in the past and is in the pre- in the present with those businesses. And it's not that we weren't communicating with the businesses, it's that we had no official record. And so I, I became very concerned about continuity of communications and things slipping through the cracks. And uh, though we're really on the front end of this, it's already proven to be really a, a a very critical tool for us to make sure that we're effectively caring for the businesses that reside within the community. I'm Chris and I'm done speaking. Hey Chris, what tool did you end up using? Uh, Cause you're in a relatively small municipality. So would you tell the size of your community and then what tool you ultimately selected to be your CRM? Yeah, the, the population of the city is, uh, is about 130,000 people. Uh, it, the, number of businesses unofficially is is around 2800 businesses that we have in the city some of those being publicly traded companies with very large operations um and uh we we ended up using salesforce um which is admittedly not the least expensive option however we feel like that gives us a a very well-rounded platform with quite a few different tools that we'll be able to to step into as we get more and more familiar with the platform. And hopefully you were able to piggyback onto the state contract to get their pricing. Um, and also the nice thing about Utah is that their state organization also uses Salesforce. And so there's a way to connect the information. Um, so you may want to talk to Teresa about that. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura. And thank you, Chris, for that amazing insight. I think, uh, you know, to Dan's earlier point, to your point, Laura's point, uh, I think, you know, CRMs are, are critical because not all um, product development or readiness is done in a matter of days and it could take time. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with multiple team members. I know I've worked with uh, Salesforce. Uh, I've even been in a smaller ECDEV team where we used Excel. <laughs> so, but uh, I think the idea of having something that's a little more automated like Salesforce has definitely been helpful. Lara, Lara, welcome to the stage, my dear friend Lara. Did you want to contribute to the conversation? Thanks, Bob, and thank you for having me. Um, there's lots of good suggestions that have already been raised, um, but one that I haven't heard yet is succession matching. Uh, so that is a technology based out of an entrepreneur who used to be in economic development field uh, who created an application whereby we can connect uh, business sellers with biz- business buyers and it's kept confidential. So we've had a lot of success in the Aurelia area in terms of connecting some of those businesses who were at risk of closing uh, with investors who were interested in opening businesses. And that's Laura Thompson and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura. Yes, that's a that's some really good insight there as well. Allison, uh, who is the founder of Succession Mashing, uh, you know, I, I, actually, if I believe, if I understand correctly, she actually started in economic development in a rural community. So she really appreciates the idea of, of understanding that lineage, which is great. I wanted to throw it out to the audience if anyone had some technology that they were thinking they'd love to share with us that's been instrumental in their economic development journey before I move on to the next question. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just move on to the next question then. So uh, this next question, I'm going to start with Laura, uh, Lara, if that's okay. Um, so when it comes to technology and economic development, uh, oh, actually, Dave's going to join us. So perhaps Dave wanted to contribute something before I go into that next. Hey, Dave, welcome to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, very much. Did you want to contribute something before I go into the next conversation uh, question? Yeah. Yeah, just quickly, I think um, I don't want to actually recommend a technology, but one of the things um, that I think, you know, I can share, um, you know, full disclosure um, that I, you know, I'm CEO of of a technology provider in the economic development space. So I don't want to go into our solution. But, you know, one of the observations I've made is, is I guess, knowing which technology uh, to apply and, and when, because, you know, there's a lot of different options out there uh, for economic developers to to choose from and what i was hoping to do is just take a a quick second to just share some thoughts on perhaps some of the questions um that um, that economic developers can sort of ask themselves to navigate through 
uh, you know, what technology might be the best fit for them, given that the limited resources that, um, you know, most economic development organizations have. And I'll just quickly go through and share some thoughts, really ob observations. And the first one is, you know, um, you know, a lot of economic developers sort of rightly see what others are doing and, and perhaps think, well, if they're doing it, it seems to be working for them. Maybe we should get that technology. You know, the challenge I'll pose to the participants and I also you know, pose to any economic developers when I'm having discussions with them is to, you know, be a little bit more rigorous and start with a, with the initial question of, of really understanding, you know, who, uh, you know, your primary audience is, who you're trying to help. You know, who is that target audience? Who are you trying uh, to really focus on most? Is it site selectors? Is it local businesses? Is it entrepreneurs? Is it a multiple? If it is a multiple, who's the most important? If you try to help everyone, then perhaps uh, with technology solutions, then perhaps you won't be able to help everyone uh, or anyone because you're not really focusing. It's, you know, it's classic business. Um, so I'd say, you know, once you really try to work out who it is that you're really trying to help as an economic development uh, organization, uh, you can then move on to question two, okay? So there's no like technology question in that one. It's really just trying to work out who you're trying to help. Question two, once you've worked that out, is really about trying to understand, you know, why they need your help. You know, what are they trying to do? You know, what questions are they asking? For example, you know, if you are trying to target site selectors as part of business attraction, FDI program or business development, you know, uh, you know do you really understand their process? Do you really know, uh, you know, a lot of those the, the, those questions they're asking. For example, site selectors, um, just to you know, uh, hang, use that as an example again, they, they ask many different questions at different stages of their process. Do you understand those different questions? If you're trying to help local businesses and entrepreneurs, you know, what questions are they trying to answer? So once again, this is all independent of technology, but it's this foundation. And then once you've got that worked out, then we can start working out, okay, um, what is it that, that um, EDOs can provide the most help? Um, you know, at what stage? At what what questions can they plug most in? And um, so, and where can technology uh, help you provide this solution and answer these questions for your target audience more effectively and efficiently? For example, if we once again just focus on site selectors. Um, you know, there's three distinct stages that these uh, folks go through if you really want to break it down. Like there's there's the initial attract um, their attention um, in the first place. And there's a range of technology that can help you do this. We've already, you know, um, heard on the, on the call, um, you know, uh, experimenting with LinkedIn. So yes, there is digital marketing, Google, LinkedIn, but there's also technologies like we heard from one of the participants in the, in the clubhouse, I think it was last week, um, they can uh, proactively help you prospect companies. I think it's a Gazelle, and they've got an incredible tool uh, that help you actually, you know, go out and find a, a, a company and then reach out to them. Um, so that's all about just trying to get their attention to, to actually say, hey, we are actually here. So there's a range of technologies to help you do that. Now, once you've got their attention, which is this next second stage, um, hopefully they're on your website. So we mentioned websites before. Your number one marketing tool is your website. There's a range of technologies um, that can also be added to your website to help you tell a compa compelling story as to why your location uh, is the right location uh, for that site selector to, uh, to, to choose. Uh, there's technology to help you engage a site selector, you know, spark their curiosity, keep them on your website until they're ready to, to connect with you. And then the third stage, you know, if you've finally made their shortlist uh, and they've decided that they do want to dig deeper, um, then there's there's even more technologies that can help you provide more detailed information on your website or internal technologies that can you can um, do really deep, you know, meaningful um, demographic and work uh, workforce analysis and and provide you know really really um, deep and meaningful answers to uh, to questions that uh, that site selectors uh, might have so and, and I will just give you a little bit of insight for those in the call there's actually uh, you know a little secret out there many site selectors already have a lot of these technology platforms themselves as far as this really detailed analysis 
And quite often when they contact economic developers, it's actually the stuff that they can't get themselves that they want your help with, like local utilities, local infrastructure capacity, planning information. All right. So don't always think though you've got to you've got to um, you know always answer every question that you think a site selector may have. Anyway, so the the point I'm trying to make here is, you know, your budgets are limited. Um, this is and this is why understanding who your target audience is essential. And this same sort of process goes that if you're more focused on business retention, expansion, entrepreneurial development, same thing. You need to understand their process, their questions, and where technology can plug in. So, um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I wanted to offer. So I'm Dave, and, and that's me. Holy cow, Dave, that was some amazing insight, some really great topology about how, you know, we really need to assess technology on our economic development team. Thank you, man. Thank you. That was that was some really great info. Uh, Lara, before I throw it to Jimmy to welcome her on stage, did you want to answer that conversation really quick, Dave? what Dave said? No, I think Dave nailed it, you know, versus just going out and uh, acquiring a bunch of software because other people are doing it, really assess what you need um, and who your audience is, and then make sure that you're procuring technology in a way that's meaningful. Um, so great job, Dave. Thanks for making that so succinct. And of course, we always love to hear from Jimmy. So Bob, back to you. Thank you, Jimmy. Welcome to the stage. Did you want to contribute to the conversation? Sure, I will jump in here. Um, I missed a little bit at the beginning, so I'm definitely will have to go back and listen because I'm actually on the hunt for a good CRM right now that's affordable. Um, so yeah, if y'all talked about those, I got to go back and listen. Uh, also, I just wanted to add a couple of things that I've used just that are very simple and there is a free version. And once again, if y'all mentioned these, I'm, I apologize, but um, Trello and Asana, those are really great for just keeping track of projects and things that are going on because a lot of times I may start a project and it may get shelved for some reason beyond my control. So it's nice to have like a, a board in Trello where I can kind of keep track of it over there and it, it can just sit there and it doesn't matter. Um, and then I can go back and pick it up later. So I like that just for internal use for my purposes of keeping track of different things. And then also, um, the app that's called I Done This. It used to be free, but now it's $12 a month. Literally, it emails you at the end of every day and you can go in there and type what you did. And then you can go back and look because I always compile a monthly report for my board. And it's, I never could remember, like, I'm just a worker bee, so I'm working. So I never could remember what I had done. So when I found this app years ago, I loved it and I've kept using it because it just, I can go back at the end of the month and review what I've done and make a pretty good report for my board. So those are just a couple of little simple things. And like I said, Trello and I think Asana as well have a free version. And then I done this is only $12 a month. So it's helpful for me. It's just on a small scale. So I'm Jimmy and I'm done talking. Thank you, Jimmy. Dan, did you want to contribute to add to that? Yeah, I did. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Those are great tools. And I'll add Slack, which is, I think, comparable to maybe to maybe Asana or Trello. I, I can't remember. I've used all of them at, at some point in time. And the other thing I want to build on, I can't remember if it was uh, Chris or Dave, I don't know that really matters, is I'm going to call it this idea of using this, well, and it even touches on what Jimmy was talking about. I'm going to call it this idea of continuity and institutional memory. You know, long gone are the days where, you know, people stay at places forever and there's this institutional memory. So I, I, I think one of the most important things about a CRM is capturing the conversations and the information that's important about existing businesses in your community, uh, absolutely for sure, and any other activity that you're doing. Because without that, I mean, I think we're doing the communities that we work for a disservice and it's because CRMs are so ubiquitous now it's it's really to me it's it's like a must to have and and I think it um it adds to the profession uh, by making us even more professional so I would just suggest this idea of continuity and now um formalizing institutional memory in a CRM I think is very important for uh, sharing within the team and with other people as they they move into the roles and other people exit. I'm Dan and I'm done speaking. 
Thank you, Dan, for adding that as well. That's great. Jimmy, that was some great advice. I know that as an entrepreneur, not, not no longer in economic development, I'm a huge fan of Trello and Slack and, and a lot of these other uh, free tools because even the, the free version gives you quite a bit of, uh, qu quite a wide berth to work within. So that, those are some really great pieces of advice. Thank you. Did anyone else on the in our audience or anyone else want to contribute to this part before I go on? Actually, the next step will be to reset the room. But before I reset the room, did anyone else want to add to that? Okay. Let me get with the reset, and then we'll move on to our next question. So welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Bob Minhas. I'm the co-host today with Laura Fritz and Dan Taylor. You are in the EcDev Network Clubhouse Club, and we are talking today about technology and economic development. For those that aren't aware, our session is being recorded today. Uh, we do re-leverage uh, what's shared here today in a podcast for those who are unable to attend so that they can still get some benefit from it. And if uh, you haven't yet, the folks on our stage are generally really great knowledge leaders in the economic development world, whether they're sharing or asking questions. So be sure to check out everyone's profile on stage and to follow them because if they're in other clubhouse rooms, I'm sure you'll wanna be a part uh, of that conversation to learn from them as well. If you have a question or if you wanna join us here on stage to share a thought, you can use the hand icon over the notepad button on the very bottom of the screen. Once you press that, that'll indicate to myself, Lara or Dan, that we can add you uh, here onto the stage. Now keep in mind, when you do come on stage, your mic does go live or hot right away. So as soon as you jump on, you want to be sure to hit mute right away so you're not uh, disturbing or, or distracting another speaker. If you do join us on stage or for our friends who are on stage, if you're not too familiar with Clubhouse, just some tips to really get more out of the experience is whenever you're sharing some knowledge or asking a question, feel free to end it by saying your name and I'm done speaking. So for example, saying, hi, uh, uh, that's all for me and my name is Bob and I'm done speaking. That allows the other speakers to know when to jump in, but also it's a great accessibility feature for those who listen, who are using Clubhouse in a different manner or accessing Clubhouse in a different way. Uh, if you hear something on stage that you really enjoy, feel free to show your appreciation by clicking your mic uh, button on and off super fast, just like Lara is doing right now, that indicates applause. And when you do it super slow or intermittently, as Lara is doing now, that indicates that you want to share some knowledge or have a question. And that'll allow, again, myself, Dan, or Lara to make sure you get... Um, some stage time, if you will. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to click on the economic or EcDev Network Club and click the bell so that you get notified when we're running future events. We generally do these things weekly, but sometimes we like to have special events and we want to make sure that you guys uh, don't miss out on that opportunity as well. I think I've covered everything there. So with that, I want to move on to this next question. It's it's sort of something that some of you have talked about, but I know that this is a challenge that we've often run into. And Dan, I'm going to start with you because my experience with Innisfil is there's a lot of amazing tech being used in that HeckDev team. So when, you, when you're looking at a piece of technology using the framework that Dave provided earlier, some of that great advice, you know you're going to have to be dealing with stakeholders such as IT. So Dan, in your experience, what is it, have been some really great ways of working with our municipal IT departments as opposed to just... <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. So I may not answer this question properly, but I'll, I'll share some updates. So, um, so, I mean, my background is I'm an entrepreneur uh, and a private sector guy that's, you know, come into, uh, uh, into the government and... Um, one of the challenges with uh, municipalities in general is often, like when I think of economic development, and let's talk about base stuff here in particular, like um, websites, um, there's sometimes, if it's uh, sophisticated enough, there's a communications department, but they're about government communications primarily, not marketing communications. So I've mostly done workarounds, Bob, where um, what what the, the the cases that and it's not always gone over well. I, I, I as I get grayer hair, I'm much better in my delivery and my management of the communications. But we we what we do is we position um, we position the communications and the digital stuff that we do as marketing communications versus technical and etc. So the good news is that gives us flexibility, agility, um, and in our department, like we upwork everything. So I, I joke that our marketing guy has a department of 50 people. 
because uh, we're able to source things globally and turn things around literally overnight. And you cannot do that in a municipal environment. Sometimes it takes days to weeks to months. So it creates a bit of a dilemma. And so, in fact, uh, just last week, our communications guy called me and said, hey, listen, we're, we're going with, a, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, like an off-the-shelf uh, corporation that creates municipal websites. And, you know, would you consider, you know, joining back into the fold? Often you get told what to do, so we, we, we feel fortunate that way. And so we're in discussions right now because there's some benefits, right? If I'm a citizen or a business and I don't know that there's two different kind of sites, the searchability is way better if there's just one site, et cetera, et cetera. And so our only concern was as long as we can have the flexibility to maybe do our own work and to outsource and be nimble and flexible, that would be great. So I think what I'm saying in a long about way is there's definitely benefits of integrating it. I find both our communications and our IT people are great, but I do find the responsiveness. And the other thing that I talk about is accountability, uh, because when people are in parallel relationships with you uh, and they have multiple demands on them, there's this lack of accountability. So deadlines don't necessarily get met. Anyway, that was a long, a long way of saying that I prefer to be independent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and have the flexibility versus be under the fold. Dan, and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Dan. No, I totally get that. I think sometimes, in my experience anyway, you know, I, I've heard this phrase used, but I might be, and I might be butchering it, but the idea that uh, to the municipality, they try and be sort of a, a calm, quiet shore, and then there's economic development that's a bit of the typhoon, right? So it's sometimes you, everyone's clapping with that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, which I get. So, Lara, let me throw that question to you, but maybe I'm going to adjust it a little bit. So, you know, when you're thinking about integrating technology, and again, Dave great, uh, provided some really great insights on how to choose tech, what's been your experience in working with IT teams within a municipality? Better to integrate, better to keep on your own? Uh, both, uh, quite frankly. It, it depends on the tool that you're using. So, for example, um, we use CoStar a lot in the organizations I've worked for. CoStar is a database of commercial property and has amazing data analytic to it. That's something that is cloud-based that really doesn't involve the city's IT infrastructure. So I can go out and procure that on my own. Salesforce, on the other hand, now we're talking about this is happening in my department, but what if other departments start picking up Salesforce? Is it, should we start to connect our Salesforce so that every department doesn't have their own CRM tool going on? Um, at that point, it's important to engage your IT professionals just so that there's somebody who's keeping an eye on where those connections need to happen. And so I've always made sure that my IT departments have a laundry list of the tools that our staff is using um, so that they can be on the lookout for those connections with other departments. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Wonderful. Those are some great insights as well, Laura. Thank you. Did anyone else want to add to that conversation as it relates to technology in your IT team? Okay. Anyone in the audience have? Oh, yeah, Dan. Did you want well, to Bob, maybe I want to throw a slightly like a, a twist on your on your question, and and maybe somebody is. Um, uh, I'm going to say smarter. I was going to say wiser than me, but I, I don't mean that in a, in a holier than thou. I actually mean smarter than me. Uh, um, so, like in an ideal world, right? Uh, and I think Laura was getting at this: is is wherever it makes sense you integrate so for example this discussion i was having you know it makes sense to have one unified website uh as an organization because then to keep i mean business people are citizens so and then the searchability and all that but municipalities like they're they're like capital g government and and economic development really moves at the speed of business. So 
maybe we could throw that question out is like, how do we circle that square? Uh, and it, maybe it's even a little less about the actual technology and integration, but you know, the municipal, like economic development is the black sheep of a municipal government departments, right? They're not internal looking, they're very external looking. They're dealing with businesses who move faster than even economic development offices can often work, let alone the municipality. And I just, yeah, I, I'm just gonna toss it out there that, how, I mean, I, I'd be curious if anybody has ideas on how to circle the square or how they've successfully done that. I'm Dan, I'm done speaking. I'd love to hear from Chris on this. So I'm fortunate that I know Chris Pengra. Um, Chris is a former mayor as well as now an economic development director. And so he probably has a great perspective on how to um, be that entrepreneurial department in a much more bureaucratic community or city hall structure. So Chris, can I throw that to you? Sure. Um, it's a bit of a loaded question. I, I think the answer is through sheer, sheer force of will. Um, there's a lot of education involved in um, in economic development, and I I do feel very fortunate that I have a very unique perspective that I've been both an elected official that uh, I, I served as a mayor in a community that was growing faster than really was going to be sustainable over a long period of time and. One of the reasons why I ran for office was because I recognized that if we did not have significant capital investment through private enterprise coming into the business through economic development, we were in trouble. In fact, we were in trouble and we, we didn't even know it yet. And so, um, you know, it was a bit of a baptism by fire uh, entering into the economic development space. And one thing that I learned through that is that everybody really wanted the same thing uh, in, in municipal government. We all wanted the same outcome. We just didn't understand that that required us to adopt a very uh, business-centric point of view. And so what I found successful is to just keep talking find out what your electeds do and do not know and what your municipal staff does and does not know and educate them uh, in a in an appropriate and friendly manner. We, I try not to beat people over the head with it, but that education process never stops. I'm Chris and I'm done speaking. And Chris made such an important point, which is make sure that you have the buy-in because a lot of these tools we've talked about are can be very expensive and being able to get the support of your elected officials for that budget line item is critical and having the support from your elected officials helps to also get other department directors on board helps to get the fine uh, the money to actually go out and procure those tools. So um, I loved that point. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura. And thank you, Chris, for that great contribution and, and that, that question, Dan, that's amazing. Uh, did anyone else want to add to the conversation or we can move on to the next question? Okay, so this question, uh, you know, and I, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but again, this is, I know something that we're probably considering as our economic development field grows and develops. So, you know, the other day, Dan, Lara, and myself, we had our team huddle and we were talking about sort of the new entrance into economic development. And so what I want to pose out to this question, and Lara, maybe I can start with you, is how important now when you're adding to your team, when you're hiring into your economic team, is tech savviness or, or comfort with technology? Because uh, I know I can tell you historically, almost every job description had an economic development hasn't included be good with tech but you know obviously as we're moving towards a more digital experience i wonder lara how important are you feeling tech savviness is now in an economic development officer a new entrant you know i think it's almost inherent today where maybe that's why you're not seeing it on job descriptions is you do have to have some level of tech savviness doesn't mean you need to know how to go in and code salesforce but you have to be um 
a student enough to be able to go in and, and put some basic data into the system. So, you know, I think that it's absolutely critical um, that there be some savviness. Um, you know, and I think, again, it doesn't have to be that deep of knowledge, but it does have to be at a level where you can be functional with whatever tool is being thrown at you. And there has to be a willingness to learn those new tools as well. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Great point about willingness, uh, Laura. That's a really great point. Dan, did you want to add to the conversation? Yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah, I will add. So basically on my team, we're like a generation apart, um, meaning I have got some small, not quite a handful of, of younger staff. And I would, I would almost split the tech savviness into two parts. I mean, I think a, it's almost a given, especially in the, you know, the twenty to early thirties millennial that most most of them grew up with technology, so it's not even really a barrier. And the other is, I'm going to call technology bringing ideas and creativity to the table, meaning they're tools that we need to use and consider. And I have found that my team, our team, uh, who are just either, they're more in touch with the tools, they're, they're bringing those things, those ideas and those tools to the table to enhance our job. So it's part technology and it's just also part like resourcefulness, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and both are, I think, necessary. I'm Dan and I'm done speaking. That's a great distinction. Thank you, Dan. Jamie, welcome to the stage. Did you want to contribute to the conversation? Hi, sure. Yeah, this is a very relevant question for, for my group. And so I thought I would uh, love to, to talk on that for just a moment. So I am working at the Office of Economic Development at UNLV, which is the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, for those who aren't familiar. And we have a, our facility is located in a place called Blackfire, which is in our research and technology park that UNLV is building out. And I don't know if it's unique to Las Vegas, um, but I don't think that it is. We are seeing the biggest development and the biggest transitions um, for our economy stemming from tech savvy businesses. And so it's incumbent upon our entire team to really be familiar with what's up and coming in the technology world. You know, I mean, every kind of industry is being affected by technology, but there are a couple of things that we're finding are really important. Um, blockchain technology being one of them, uh, cryptocurrency and digital currencies. People are so interested in that and we're seeing so many opportunities for um, businesses, particularly in Las Vegas, as we weren't able to have people come and visit us for such a long time, the brands out here were really interested in how do we, how do we access those clients virtually? How can they spend money with us and how can we still increase business um, without them actually being able to see us here in Las Vegas? So virtual reality and again, the, the digital currency and that became really important. And we have so many businesses making a transition from brick and mortar uh, histories to becoming digital digital companies. And um, that, that push and all of the urgency we're seeing here to develop uh, tech forward businesses really means that our team has got to be savvy and needs to understand the technology and how to connect people to other collaborators and and the resources in the community to help them move forward. So, I, I don't, I don't come from a tech background. It's been a quick, a quick learn for me to get up to speed. And I sure love Clubhouse for all of the expertise I'm finding on here and all the people who are catching me up with everything I haven't known. Um, and thank goodness, I think to Dan's point a minute ago as well, we do have a lot of younger staff coming on and they are way more comfortable and familiar with these spaces than, than I am. And so thankfully they're teaching me, but it's been, I think, the biggest focus uh, for our economic development office and I'm done speaking. Thank you for that insight, Jamie. That was wonderful. Dan, did you want to add that as well? 
Yeah, just uh, 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 one, hopefully just a little bit. So I want to build a little bit what on Jamie and Bob said. So, Bob, you're talking about, you know, do we need our, our, our new hires to, you know, have technology? I'm going to connect to Jamie and then circle back. And, and Jamie said that she's witnessing, you know, the largest amount of growth as our tech-based businesses. Kind of what I say now is, like, I actually don't believe technology is a sector. I think technology is somewhat ubiquitous, which is maybe why we're not, I think Lara said, maybe we're not seeing it in the job descriptions anymore. It's almost a given, just like businesses, if they are not driven by technology, even if they're not technology companies, they're, they're really in trouble. One of my favorite stats, and this may not be 100% correct, but there is so much uh, software and hardware now in a Mercedes-Benz that 60% of the cost of a Mercedes-Benz is all related to software and technology hardware. So is Mercedes-Benz an automotive company? <laughs> is it a technology or a software company? I don't know that it really matters. So all that to say is like technology is like the new oxygen to driving economic development, business growth, and then the talent that's required to participate in that. I'm Dan and I'm done speaking. That's a great point too, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to team on to what Jamie said as well. Understanding the technology that's being developed in your backyard is so important. Um, there was a, a smaller company, this goes back five, six years, called Qualtrics that was founded in Utah. And they had developed this survey tool. And we were really fortunate to be one of the first cities to work with them um, to do our site, um, I'm sorry, our business retention surveys. And it, what an amazing tool. The company was now bought out by SAS and is one of the unicorn companies of Utah. Um, but what a great way to get to know a business in your community, utilize their technology, um, and have a really cool story to tell in Clubhouse. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much for adding that as well. It is 12.51, so I think we have time to start one more question. And now this question I'd love to throw to the floor, but of course I'm going to start with Lara first. Uh, and that question really is around the idea of affordable tech. And, and we've sort of touched on this idea around smaller communities sometimes needing to be budget conscious. So Lara, in your experience, um, do you have methods, ways, suggestions? What are great uh, best practices to get tools at a lower mm -hmm. cost? I think there's absolutely two great ways that you can often get technology at lower costs. Um, one, you heard me teasing Chris Pengra earlier today um, about piggybacking other contracts. If your state, county, regional organization has, the, has a contract for one of the software tools you're interested in, many times you can piggyback onto those contracts and get their same rate. So that's, um, that's one great way. The second is there's a, if you are a nonprofit economic development organization, there's an organization called TechSoup. Um, they offer software at a reduced or in some cases free um, to nonprofit organizations. And they are available also in Canada for my Canadian friends on the call. You can get software like Microsoft, Adobe, Intuit, um, Amazon, AWS, and Asana. We talked about Asana, the project management tool. All of those can be purchased at a reduced rate um, or in some cases donated to nonprofit organizations. Also check with your city. If you work for a local municipality, many cities have set up nonprofit foundations. You can run the donation through that nonprofit. So definitely take a look at TechSoup. It's a great resource and another way to get some of your software at a reduced cost. I'm Laura Fritz and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Laura. That's wonderful. Uh, but before I throw the question over to Dan, I see that Sue and Siona has joined us on stage. I wanted to offer you an opportunity if you wanted to contribute to the conversation. Maybe I'll start with Sue. Sue, I know, I know you know all about tech and business. I wanted to see if you wanted to contribute any thoughts to our chat. Well, I've been really enjoying your chat, actually. I, I, I love um, 
technology and uh, I've one of the pioneers on the internet I've been uh, making digital profitable since 95 um, I'm hearing about the resources it's great to hear about TechSoup that's a great um, ad and um, from an economic development standpoint I feel like it's um, you know driving broadband and the technology to keep up with the technologies is a huge um, initiative right now more than ever and I think really that's where the growth in the various um, communities is going to come from so I think it's it's something that we we should foster in our communities is that tech savvy part um, and I think in all the communities there's various leaders um, and, I, and I feel like now more than ever it's more important because there's all these like the business failure rate back in the day um, I think was was pretty bad, but that was before technology. Um, and I feel like trying to on like to start a business, run a business, and keep up on the technology is a huge challenge. So from economic development, from an economic development standpoint, I feel like that's one of the main. I think that besides bandwidth, I, uh, broadband, I should say, uh, you know, g getting people or creating a. Um, a, a, a community of like bringing the community together so you've got your geeks and you've got the government together to kind of keep, get that going because I think really quite frankly businesses are really challenged for time right now to rebound and technology is the answer so I feel like a lot of the um, you know any of the work that economic development um, teams do should include the ability for people to pop up and share because I think I think that it's moving way too fast for individuals to keep up with I guess that's a, a far more succinct way of saying it my name is Sue Sutcliffe and I'm finished thank you Sue that's insightful thank you Sana welcome to the stage great to see you again did you want to contribute to the conversation Yes, thanks, Bob. Um, you know, I think um, when we talk about what affordable technology, um, I, I love um, all the options that were brought up here. I think also what we've done in um, northern Colorado is we've crowdsourced those. So um, we do a lot of our business retention and expansion um, collaboratively. And so our county actually purchased the CRM and did the training for us. And we all contributed some financial support there but also time talent to develop the CRM um, that's one of the aspects that I wanted to mention and then uh, Lara's conversation about really knowing what technology is being developed in your community is really important I like to say in economic development I know a lot of random things but not enough to be dangerous in one any one topic um, but the reason that's so important is I think um, we do a lot of matchmaking in our community, right? So when you hear about a fintech company and or an HR online um, company being able to connect the dots and being able to um, support them in um, making introductions with either supply chain opportunities or um, future customers, I think is a really big important piece of that. And so being able to understand the technology you have in your community and how you utilize that so that you can make those connections with your businesses is a big piece of that. I'm Sana and I'm done speaking. Sana, um, I, if I might jump in just a moment, Bob, do you mind if I ask one quick question? Not at all. This is wonderful. No. Awesome. Uh, thank you. So one of the challenges that we are having in Las Vegas is that um, we're, we've got a really disparate, um, eff many disparate efforts to develop technology and innovation. Everything's kind of gone in silos as people um, developed it over the years here. Part of that is just the nature of our city. It's a very independent, entrepreneurial type of, of person that comes here. And, and we had not had any centralized, organized place for that type of development to, to come under. And now we have the city of Las Vegas, city of Henderson, city of North Las Vegas, the university, the county, uh, you know, who, whichever other groups that are recognizing we need to have one umbrella so that communication is clear when people are putting on events it's clear and and that kind of thing but it's it's been a little bit of a challenge I think we're going to spearhead trying to create the umbrella that unites everybody 
Um, but has anyone had a challenge like that that they've managed to pull together in their communities? And um, Son, I, I asked it in response to your question, just because the way that you were discussing collaborating uh, in your group and, and understanding the technologies within your community to make referrals, that really resonates with me. I'm Jamie Schwartz. I'm finished asking my question. Jamie, that's a great question. That was literally my next question was around this idea of technology and ecosystems. So that first, uh, I'd love to throw it to Sana because again, it was based on Sana's question and now maybe then after, sorry, then to Dan afterwards. Sana, did you want to add to the uh, question? Um, yes, I'm happy to. So, um, Jamie, you know, we also have that. I think there is a lot of concern about um, the talent steel, if that makes sense. We, we do have quite a few technology companies in our community, and we were seeing that there was a lot of silos because they didn't want um, people jumping to the other organization. But what they found is that banding together um, works better. And an example is what we would do is we would bring in what we called our kitchen cabinet breakfast, and we would just bring in all different types of technology companies and just say, what is those big, hairy, audacious goals that you have and what are some of the challenges? Um, and that really has opened up some doors and conversations of, hey, here's the technology I bring to the table. Um, and it also allows us, um, so we always invite our chamber, our workforce, um, and then obviously ourselves and um, maybe you know a couple of local elected leaders. And it allows us to hear about what the technology and the developments that um, they're developing, but also the challenges. And again, this is because we really feel like our, our value is being able to connect folks. And they start off with just little topics and then they start to see they all are having the same challenges. And so they end up exchanging cards and collaborating together as well. And we always do a follow-up email afterwards, just you know, thanking them and connecting folks. But um, we found that that collaboration of bringing them in in small um, groups, so 10 or less, um, and we always try to make there's, sure there's more industry folks and government folks at the table and just hearing what are those opportunities and challenges. And it's been um, an amazing thing to see the opportunities and collaboration that has happened from that. I'm Sana and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Sana. That was amazing. That was super helpful. Dan, can I throw that question to you as well? Because I know that you, Innisfil and the County of Simcoe have a really great working relationship together. Yeah, we do. And I'm going to piggyback to um, bringing a different, pro well, same problem, different industry. Uh, and it's quite similar to what Asana was talking about. Um, I used to uh, be heavily involved in the creative economy. So literally people who are paid to think, so not technology specific. And, and two different communities. I hosted an event called Creative Minds and Creative Cocktail. But the idea was is that we got people to share who they were, what they did, and, and why they liked the community. So I think the idea is if you can bring people together under, under an umbrella of learning, possibly collaboration, sharing, um, and making that, in this case, we made it you know festive, meaning there was uh, hors d'oeuvres, tapas, whatever, a cash bar, and to get people to both you know meet people and loosen up because we had not speakers, but we had featured people share their little case studies that people got to know each other better and then the, and the informal part. So I think this idea of of an umbrella connecting like-minded people together is, is probably one of the best ways to do it and just give reason, you know, post-COVID as we're getting through this, give a, a reason for people like-mindedness to come together. Uh, in, in our case, people got a lot of benefit. People were hired partnerships were made, collaborations were made, and, and the economy was grown accordingly. I'm Dan, and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Lara, did you want to add to the conversation as well as we wrap up? Um, no, I think that it's been covered pretty well, but thank you. Of course, thank you. Well, it is 103, and we do want to be respectful of time. So before we lose all you guys again, I uh, just wanted to uh, remind you that we do have our Friday session this Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Now, Lara, the topic on that was? 
Let's talk recovery. And Sana Kendall, who just popped off the call, she must have had a one o'clock. Um, she will be leading a conversation about recovery. As you may know, Sana is the economic recovery manager for Fort Collins, Colorado. And so um, be sure to join us. We'd love to hear what you're doing to support recovery efforts in your community. Friday at three. I'm Laura Fritz. I'm done speaking. Thank you, Lara. And for those that might not be able to make it Friday, we do run these sessions every Wednesday at 12 noon, 12.05, sorry, Eastern. So we'd love to see you folks here on Friday or even by next week. If you haven't yet, as Lara mentioned at the beginning of the call, be sure to join the ECDEV Network LinkedIn page so that you can stay in touch with everything we're doing and catch some of the replays. And um, if you if you know someone, a coworker, a colleague, or just, uh, heck, even family that you think could benefit from these conversations or more importantly, contribute Dan, Laura, and I would love to see some more folks coming in and sharing some topics here. So with that, I want to thank all of you on the stage and those in the audience for participating. And we will see you all Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, everybody.